0: an unmatched dual threat.
1: Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the August 14th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today's show is a true honor for me personally. We have the legend Sigmund Bloom, the co-owner of Football Guys, here on the Mailbag. Sig has been and still is one of the leaders in the fantasy football community. He's the co-host of one of the top fantasy football podcasts around the Audible, uses that law background from the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns, to bring that structure and path of logic to fantasy football arguments, simply unchallenged. He's one of the famous fantasy minds here. He puts people on his couch, so it's an honor to have him on ours here at Rotovis. If you aren't following on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing. At Sigmund Bloom. All rise, please. Sigmund Bloom is on the mailbag.
0: Yeah. I, I say this so often on these shows. I hope I can live up to the introduction, and I am excited to be on a Rotoviz show. You know, Rotoviz was a true innovator, groundbreaker in the fantasy industry. I think that there's a lot of things we see people doing that are commonplace that are downstream from Rotoviz in data visualizations and just ways of thinking about this thing that we spend too much time thinking about so you know cheers to that
1: it gets into our first question sig which is balancing sort of both worlds i i was watching the old karate kid right after you agreed to come on the show and i saw daniel arusso balancing on that wooden stump on the beach try to to balance and to master balance there for karate and fantasy football to me is just like poker right parallels are perfect You have your numbers-based competitions, your stats, ADP, the weekly wins and losses, But it does come down to gut a lot of the times. Do you think a player is going to succeed or not? Just like in poker, you have a finite number of cards, you assess it, but then the odds on making a straight versus flush, and then invariably on the river, it comes down to that gut instinct. Do they have it or not? So I want to start with how do you strike that balance between the two when you're starting a new fantasy season and you're starting to project players and and envision how they're going to perform this year?
0: I like the metaphor. I love metaphors. I speak in mixed metaphors. I sometimes they say don't change horses midstream. Don't change metaphors midstream. Yep. I often do that anyway. Um, <laughs> look, one of the differences. I'll take the metaphor one step further. It's almost like poker, but the difference is, or chess, if you prefer, where you can understand, um, you know, the the odds or the range of possibilities. But unlike chess, unlike poker, the little Combatants on the chessboard or the the cards have a say in the outcome, right? I mean, it, it it isn't like in poker, like when the card hits the card, like when they turn over the card, that's the card. And with with football, you have the odds in terms of opportunity, in terms of historical record of how an offense is done, et cetera, et cetera, how players done. But the player is still the final arbiter, right? Um, we look at outliers, right? Uh, These are the players that decide fantasy football championships, Lamar Jackson last year, and they always do things that fall outside of the range of possibilities. If you use past outcomes as the boundaries. So I still like to be imaginative. I still like to look for those potential perfect storms. And also I believe in unicorns. I, I don't, when i see a unicorn my instinct isn't to say unicorns don't exist i must be hallucinating right yep my instinct is i'm going to follow that unicorn until it turns back into sparkle fairy dust and then i'll look for the next one so i think it's you know still in this moment especially mike um <sighs> we need diversions. We need fantasy, if you will. We need something that can, a puzzle that can immerse us. And I think that I will always err on the side of of being emotional, of old school fantasy mentality, which was just the idea of like, what if you could put together a team with all of your favorite players on it? You know, all the players that you want to go to war with. So I usually ignore the odds and just go with my gut when it comes down to it. And I think that in hindsight, we often find that our biggest fantasy successes were believing in things that maybe were foolish to believe in when we took the plunge.
1: Right. And fantasy football is supposed to be fun, right? So part of the fun is coming up with the players that you believe in, drafting them on your team, and then rooting like heck for them to perform. Yeah. So it, that's sort of the essence of it, right?
0: You, know, you want to share in the greatness of of these players so when uh you know rob Gronkowski does the spike you want to be doing the spike with him you want to be one of the guys jumping on him in the end zone it's a way to feel that jubilation and again make everything at least for the moment fade into the background
1: well we've had some amazing guests this year all all year long and and i want to ask you on your perspective specifically on players that other analysts have discussed the first one is juju smith schuster He's going to be our FFPC stat attack of the show here. He enters his fourth year in the league and now has a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, which if you look statistically makes a huge difference. I use the Rotoviz Game Splits app, one of our, our great apps here, sweet apps on Rotoviz, and his splits from 2017 to 2019 – 30 games he played there with Ben Roethlisberger versus 11 that he did not, and a huge difference in PPR points, 16.1 to 10.6. And then if you go even further to just 2018 and 2019, the last two years, 17.9 points, to 8.8 so what do you think about juju this season of course the the excessive positivity that we see on twitter juju's in great shape ben's throwing a football with or without a beer doesn't matter where are you on juju how do you think the season's going to go because really if ben plays 16 games this offense should be superior if he doesn't i think you know everything's sort of up in the air
0: yes you're right that as we learned last year i'm a Born and bred Western Pennsylvania Steelers fan, so it's painful to talk about this. David DeCastro, (laughs) David DeCastro was just talking about how it was not fun to play offense. It was not fun to get five turnovers and lose a game. It was not fun. And I think that when we look at ADP, we get a snapshot of the hive mind, and we look for inefficiencies, and we try to exploit them. Maybe one of the biggest inefficiencies this year is over-pessimistic takes on Steelers players after one of the most putrid offensive seasons we've watched, if you could actually sit through it and watch it, because Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner were both I'm going to turn this into James Conner take two. Yep. Uh, they were both late first round, early second round picks at this time last year. And Juju – now granted, you have the critical point of failure of Ben Roethlisberger's elbow. But Juju – actually some of the pessimism on him even at that ADP was, well, he's going to be outside. He's going to be facing number one corners. It's going to be a big difference from when Antonio Brown was there. Now we have assurances that he's going to be a slot receiver. I also think that we underestimate how much of Juju's value came from he and Roethlisberger being on the same page on those extended plays that turned into 97 yard touchdowns or big plays where, you know, Juju had his eye. This is still going to be a very difficult defense, I'm sorry, offense to defend. Uh, and James Conner, similarly, you can get in the third round. He's going to get the opportunity at the beginning of the year. He might not be able to stay healthy, but still that discount indicates to me overweighing the risk of Roethlisberger's elbow and underweighing the reward of a Steelers offense that could hopefully be one of the best in the league again this year. And then that trickles down to, you know, Deontay Johnson and and just looking at the Steelers in terms of would they be one of the better offenses in the league or one of the worst offenses in the league. And Roethlisberger showed up to camp, you know, nothing negative yet. So I believe. And
1: Juju Smith-Schuster was our FFPC stat attack of the show. FFPC, remember, home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry. They have Dynasty Best Bowl and, of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. If you want to learn more or join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. Of course, we have a ton of great tools here at Rotoviz, designed exclusively for that FFPC domination. Here's the thing. If you worry about injuries and if somebody can stay healthy, I remember... I feel like Matthew Stafford's name used to be Matthew, if he can only stay healthy, Stafford. You're going to miss out on the boom. You're going to miss out when everything goes right. You can't walk around in fear, correct? I mean, if you believe in a player, you believe in the offense, then why not take a chance instead of sitting back and saying, ah, you know what? I missed out on it.
0: You can avoid busts and still be a very mediocre fantasy team because what takes you farther in the playoffs are the hits. Uh, And I think you can manage your team in a bunch of 55, 45 bets and, and win, but you know, by getting to the playoffs and catching a few breaks in playoffs. But if you want to build a dominant team, if you want to build a team that can outstride the competition, you have to be optimistic in your takes. You have to be drafting with upside in mind. But that being said, again, I think this is something where you, Mike, you can do just a sober analysis and say the amount of pessimism because dropping from the first round to the third round in terms of ADP, that's like a it's more than a sixty-seven percent drop in value, right? Like a, yep. a third round pick in auction terms is worth maybe maybe if you're lucky a third of a first round pick, probably even less than that. So I think that just the sober analysis of are we only one-third as optimistic about Ben Roethlisberger's elbow staying intact through the season as we were going into 2019? Seems to me like it's just too much uh, running scared.
1: Yeah, it's a great way to look at it. And, of course, the big news from this week that broke right before we started our Best Ball Draft Sharks Invitational, Washington running back Darius Geis arrested on domestic violence charges maybe that is somehow providing an ancillary effect of positive in a horrific situation, some small amount of fantasy clarity to the backfield. UNC Salami do a great job. Preseason watch list podcast for each team on the audible. Amazing. Should listen to it folks. I've heard you talk about the Washington backfield in July when guys was available. How does this affect moving forward? Is it wheels up for one of my favorite late round flyers, Antonio Gibson?
0: Maybe, um, maybe not as much as his meteoric rise, In ADP indicates, but I get it. Uh, It's still a muddled backfield. It's still a backfield that is going to at least feature two to three players. Adrian Peterson will get the carries to start. And Peyton Barber is a perfect uh, stopgap behind Peterson. You know, he's going to run hard. He's going to run the play the way it's drawn up. You're going to get max effort from him. So he's a fine. Backup to Peterson. And then, of course, you have JD McKissick, who's a good passing down back. Uh, and the two names that are interesting here are Gibson and Bryce Love, and I'll handle them separately here. First, Bryce Love. You watched him at Stanford, and he was a, a really dynamic player, an exciting player. Washington took him in the fourth round when they knew they were likely getting a redshirt year from him in his rookie year. So, what does that tell you? They had him as a second or third round value. And he was cleared to start camp, and he's going to get an opportunity. He showed some receiving ability, not as accomplished as Christian McCaffrey, um, his former teammate, but an interesting guy to watch who's going to get a chance to stake his claim to part of the work that is probably going to Peterson at the beginning of the year. Peterson also is kind of frustrating in this scenario because he's durable. He's very durable. And then you have Gibson, and I get it, and this comes back around to what I was talking about, being imaginative and optimistic. Watch Antonio Gibson at Memphis last year, and you see a player that reminds me of David Johnson when he was at Northern Iowa. He's not as accomplished as Johnson was in the passing game, but he can handle himself running routes. He can handle himself as a downfield receiver, but he has that thick build – with breakaway speed that is so exciting and like david johnson did in his rookie year he could get six seven touches a game and every other game break one for a long touchdown that's what he was doing at memphis but i still think he Because he's being cross-trained and because of the slow ramp-up for rookies with no offseason, it's going to be a slow start for Gibson, at least in terms of involvement. And then it's up to him. So if you're taking Gibson where he has risen up to now, which is what, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th round? I don't know exactly the round you have to circle and say, if I want Antonio Gibson, I have to take him in this round, somewhere in that range. Uh, You have to be patient. and. By the end of that year, Chris Johnson got hurt and David Johnson was winning championships for us. But there were people who drafted David Johnson, held on to him and maybe didn't wait out that long stretch. So my advice is if you want Gibson, take him early and be patient.
1: That was a a big polarizing one. Jake Seeley came on the pod. He liked guys. Of course, this was pre-news. And that becomes the question is, is it now a backfield that's ambiguous? And are you going to be scared of that or are you going to take a chance and try to, to get that upside And before we continue here, folks, Sunday, Sunday Sundays are coming back in the NFL. Thank goodness with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every single live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. You have Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels as well. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. So no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use that promo code, folks, BlueWire at checkout to get 15% off your subscription Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use that promo code BLUEWIRE. I have it. If you don't, I know you're going to love it. Hey everyone, have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect, all at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works it's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer the bid or the item is yours if you go ahead and buy now deal dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts go to deal dash.com and use the offer code rotoviz or deal dash.fm slash rotoviz that's d-e-a-l-d-a-s-h.fm slash rotoviz Another one player that that people were really sort of split on was surprisingly Derrick Henry. Ben Gretchen, Ian Hart, it's one opposite end of the spectrum. When I think about Derrick Henry, I envision SIG the old Price is Right sort of plinko board. You know, <laughs> yeah. It starts out fine. He's going through the season. It could kick to a, a, a terrible situation, but if things fall right, you get last year where he dominated. Things pretty much broke right for him. The back half of the first round is sort of that seasonal no man's land this year, the, the end of the first round. Where were you on Derrick Henry? Because Ben Gretsch, of course, with the lack of PPR production, I mean, it seems like he gets a few receptions and they go 70 yards. But the lack of the consistent targets in the passing game was his concern, whereas Ian Harditz is all in. So where are you on Derrick Henry moving forward, not only this year, but
0: also Dynasty as well? Dynasty, I think now that we've got that long-term deal signed, um, maybe dynasty values weren't reflecting his likelihood of sticking around at this level for at least another two or three years. So I think he's probably still undervalued uh, in a redraft. I would put him as the, if he had the number five pick, I would say there's a decent chance Derek Henry is going to be that pick. And you're going to weigh him against Dalvin cook. Um, maybe if Michael Thomas goes ahead, Alvin Kamara, you're going to weigh him against Kamara, you're going to weigh him against Thomas. Uh, but look, they have the offense built around him and his production actually more than justifies a pick at five. His production last year actually justifies more like a pick at number three, or at least weighing him against Ezekiel Elliott. And they're absolutely right that there's a possibility that he could get even just incrementally more work in the passing game because he was so efficient with the targets that he got. But he also showed us that Given that full workload, he did have week 16 that he rested as a precaution, really, so they could have him for the playoffs. And he was the same guy in the playoffs, right? So you get him. Remember the old curse of 370? You know, yes, Derrick yes. Henry just laughs at the curse of
1: 370.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, he's like, whatever. Give me Jamal 470.
1: Lewis also laughed at that as well. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. I was hoping Michael Turner was going to. But now we're going, yeah. this is, we're turning this into a couch episode, I'm making it about me and my problems. So. <laughs> I'm fine with Derrick Henry. And, you know, as an ancillary topic to this, Mike, I was bringing up today that, interestingly, fantasy drafters are still taking Derrick Henry around five or six, so they buy into him. A.J. Brown's going in the third or fourth round, so they buy into him. But Brian Tannehill has plummeted yep. to the 18th quarterback, even though he was a top two top three quarterback once he took over last year so so there's some disconnect here it might be that brown and henry are overrated it might be that Tannehill's underrated it might be that you know there's a magic trick here where Tannehill can become less efficient but they can stay as productive because their volume goes up but there's something that's not quite lining up with how the fantasy community has gauged the pieces of the tennessee offense
1: right i love to see the consistency even if it's an, an argument i disagree with if someone likes aj brown and they think that A.J. Brown is, is again going to smash, increase volume, and keep efficiency, that's fine. It's just hard for me to see both that and Derrick Henry. And if you love A.J. Brown, don't you have to love Ryan Tannehill? It doesn't seem right. like it connects, right? You have to play it all the way through.
0: Yeah, and we will be interesting to see first week against Denver. That's a yep. fun preview. I'm thinking week one already. You know That's going to be a fun argument for, hey, they're going to be fine or woo, pause, uh, and also maybe Vic Fangio is going to get that defense going to Denver.
1: The next question is sponsored by my two children. What is Sigmund <laughs> Bloom's dessert of choice? Ice cream, brownie, apple pie. We had waffle cones with vanilla ice cream and chocolate sprinkles yeah. yesterday. After a big Sunday fantasy win, you sit back on your couch Would you have a cappuccino, and what's the dessert that's going with you there?
0: Cheesecake. And really oh. just anything with cream cheese. I love cheesecake. I love the cream cheese. Um I'd like any permutations of things you can do with cream cheese you know mm-hmm. i had a, something in a uh, my favorite mexican restaurant in my previous home austin texas habanero check it out if you haven't oh, um, nice. they put like they put like um cream cheese inside of tortillas and deep fry it give me that too so it's it's and but it's a great question and it's one that honestly i had to think about a lot more than any fantasy question because there is a lot of great ice cream out there we just went to michigan there's a place in luddington uh, up there on the Lake Michigan coast called house of flavors where they actually have the dairy on site. Oh, ah, that must taste incredible. We had ice cream for breakfast, ice cream for (laughs) breakfast, setting a bad example. So I just wanted to give them a shout out.
1: I'm going to have to get a rebuttal going when my kids hear this. Excellent. That's a great answer though. I heard you on a recent podcast with Adam Harsett on the couch. That was a great, great episode on fantasy football and life specifically as well what do you think the biggest mistake your average recreational fantasy drafter makes mistakes abound for all players, but for those who are just starting to prepare for their seasonal leagues, let's say they're listening right now, they're getting ready to do their, their redraft leagues in late August, early September. What would you tell those drafters to sort of be cognizant of as they start the season? You and Adam touched on bias, personal bias. I thought it was a great episode. What advice would you give the, uh, the seasonal drafters
0: right now? Yeah, Adam's fantastic. at. uh, self-scouting right like thinking about the mistakes that we make that we can't even see like your blind spot's a blind spot you can't see it um but i go back to what we talked about earlier mike which is fantasy football supposed to be fun Mm -hmm. so when i see this question what comes into my head is the idea of trusting someone else's uh judgment over your own that's i think would be one of the biggest mistakes and i don't mean that in every case um i mean trusting someone's judgment over your own when it's your highest confidence takes. And that includes when it it strays from what other people are thinking. Uh, And that's not only is that okay, that might be your biggest advantage. And if you let the fantasy community talk you out of it, or your draft mates, right? So here's, an, here's a version of that, is in an auction draft, when you're just taking a player and bidding on them because they're going for less than your projected value. Mm-hmm. Or in, a, in a, a snake draft, and it's funny, in the, in the show, Adam Harsad would say this is a good strategy, so I'm not trying to say that it's not going to lead to winning over time if you do it all the time. But when there's a player who's still on the board two or three rounds after their ADP, when you're taking that player, you're letting the rest of the league pick your team for you. You're not picking a team based on your convictions. So unless your conviction is in, ADP is usually right. So if a player falls below ADP, I'm just going to take them. Um, but I think, as we talked about, the fun of fantasy football is making it about your hunches, your players, the things you want to happen when you watch football on a Sunday or maybe a Saturday this year. Uh, although I guess not, based on what I'm hearing. Yeah, anyway, right, my, right. Right, my point is that Fantasy football should still be about closing that circuit between the players that get you amped, the players that you think are are good or better than people believe at this time. And and those are the sweetest victories.
1: Yeah, you went on the Establish the Run podcast with Evan Silva, Adam Levitan, and you guys talked about debate is good. Debate is, if you have a strong take, I heard you say this, if you have a strong belief in a player, you should seek out arguments, right? I mean, because either that's going to strengthen your belief in the player, and it's going to test your conviction, so... There's nothing wrong with good debate back and forth. All of the times I'll see it on social media, will go from, I like so-and-so, you don't, and all of a sudden we've escalated it to a point of non-human right. debate. But you want that debate. People are you know, going back and forth with me about Rob Gronkowski. I am not high on Rob Gronkowski this year, but my argument is, listen, if you are, no problem, but who are you down on in the offense? How is he going to get to the level that you think he's going to be if he's a top three or top four or tight end? Chris Godwin.
0: Oh, wait, I say that? I, was, I just think that. <laughs>
1: Right, which leads us in, really, to our next question, which is from Rob at Fort Lauderdale. Mailbag for life, thank you for that. Curious if you guys shy away from thinking three fantasy viable options are possible. I find that it's really difficult, and if I can identify two solid options, it's hard to get the third. I feel like the third is going to be overrated. And he brings up Tampa Bay. He said we had Chris Godwin, we had Mike Evans, and people talked about O.J. Howard, although there was some divide whether Aaron Arians as the tight end, right? Is there a team or two this year that you think, say, can actually support three reasonable weekly fantasy options? Or do you say, you know what, if it's two, it's hard to get the third?
0: And it's a good question from Rob. And I'll just take what he said to mean three passing game targets. Yes. Because it's not controversial to say that you can have two passing game targets and a running back. Even the running back whose value is greatly derived from their presence in the passing game. So, you know, you just look at ADP and that's what we're expecting from the Chiefs, for instance. Mm -hmm. But – at that extra target right um mickle hardman or perhaps sammy watkins it's will that third guy get supported uh kansas city comes to mind right away we well, you know what we're looking for here are good quarterbacks we're looking at quarterbacks mm-hmm. who can support those values because of the efficiency that they put into every pass attempt uh and and then hopefully at least enough volume to sustain them. Because I think what happened with Tampa last year is there was the excess value created in the passing game. It was just hogged by Evans and Godwin who greatly exceeded expectations, especially Godwin, mm-hmm. instead of being spread out to that third option because O.J. Howard just – I think this has more to do with O.J. Howard than – Bruce Arians' structure of his offense just won't allow for a tight end because Arians already said this is going to be the base offense as a two tight end offense Mm -hmm. this year. So Kansas City is the team that comes to mind first. Uh, Houston could be interesting because of the um, uh, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, and Randall Cobb. I think Randall Cobb is just completely overlooked i don't know why and then,
1: i agree not even 30 yet
0: not even 30 yet they gave him 10 million dollars a year and the guy who gave him that contract also is the guy not who calls the plays because they have tim kelly and there was a funny little piece in that uh, peter king spent a day at the texans camp and it seemed like randall cobb didn't know who tim kelly was that's <laughs> great but, <right>. but um <laughs> Good start, right? and randall cobb also indicated that he thought long and hard about opting out. So, you know, just something to file away there. Um, but thinking about Randall Cobb takes me to the obvious answer and the one that should have popped into my head first instead of Kansas City, which is Dallas. And if Dallas doesn't do that, then it'll probably be disappointing. Um, and, and we can look at two scenarios because by the end of the year last year, Randall Cobb actually was close to 1,000 yards as the number three receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, if we add in Blake Jarwin, we could even, because tight end, the bar is lower, we could get to four. But this all intersects at Dak Prescott, 5,000 yards should be well within his reach. Um, So I think we have one of two scenarios. Either we get 3,000-yard receivers, a la, you know, Breston and and Bolden and um, Fitzgerald, or um, um, Stokely and Wayne and Harrison, or Amari Cooper stays healthy. Because what we saw last year was Amari Cooper really is the alpha in this receiving group, and then Amari Cooper's nagging injuries piled up, and he played through them, but Michael Gallup was about as valuable as he was, and Randall Cobb came on in the second half of the year. Uh, so I, I think Dallas is the team to look at, and I think Michael Gallup is probably the best guy to take advantage of that, if you believe that, because you get the upside if Cooper it gets dinged and isn't himself for part of the year again. You get the upside if Lamb is a little slow to take on the offense because of no off season. and You get a, just a damn good player. Michael Gallup is really good in a 7th, 8th round price. Uh, I think that's the piece of that offense. But the Cowboys could easily be the most productive pass offense in the league.
1: Yeah, Gallup is a victim of two sort of biases there. Number one is shiny new toy bias with CeeDee Lamb. And the second one is the recency bias. Had a lot of drops last year but did not have many the year before. So Gallup is the one who just keeps getting suppressed. Cooper, of course, uh, the big receiver. We know that, but Gallup is a, is a tremendous value. And I agree again, if that's what you believe, you have to like Dak Prescott. That's sort of the element there that I think people don't think through.
0: Yeah. And it's what third, fourth, fifth quarterback off the board, Prescott, a round or two after Mahomes and Jackson, and could easily be joining them because the defense isn't going to be good. The first game of the year, they played the Rams. I don't know, what they, what they hang, like 41 or something like that yeah. on the Rams last year. The Rams also, uh, Sean McVay booted Wade Phillips to the curb. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you like Dak Prescott to go off to a hot start.
1: Let's talk AJ Green in that best ball invitation on Draft Sharks. John Pawson took him two picks before me and I was, you know, lining up my future picks and I said, man, AJ Green is just dropping because the upside here is, is huge. It was in round nine. Where are you on the veteran? He has a contract. He certainly appears healthier than ever. He had that injury on the bad grass on the Bengals practice field last year. Normally, I would proceed with caution. I'd say he's an older player. Joe Burrow's coming in. It's a rookie quarterback. Tough defensive division, of course. But this is AJ Green we're talking about. Is this recency bias at its finest?
0: Yes. I mean, <laughs> I know it's a boring show if I just say yes. <laughs> on to the next question. Uh, it, AJ Green has been nothing but one of the best players in the league when he plays. Now, granted, over the last four years, you got, what, a couple of half seasons, one complete missed season, and one full season. But we're balancing risk and reward here. And, it, again, something I've been doing more this offseason is looking at this year's ADP and comparing it to last year's ADP and just asking, does it make sense? And A.J. Green's ADP is roughly the same as it was at this time last year, but he was already hurt at this time last year. So – should sort a of healthy and this is even factor in like jonah williams and joe burrow and things like that yep. so yeah and this comes back to again that old school fantasy football mentality of i want that guy on my team i want aj green on my team even if he limps off the field in the third game for those first two games he's going to help me win or, or the fourth game or sixth game i know he's going to be good if he's playing we're going to project him as how does this make any sense mike we're going to project aj green as a top 10 or top 15 receiver anytime he's on the field and anything but, you know, very questionable game time decision. Yep. And yet he, what is his ADP, you know, wide receiver 30, something like that. I don't know wide receiver 25. So this one is easy. It's easy to feel good when you take AJ green. Cause even if it is another injury plague season for him, you know what you're going to get, which is a player that would be a second round value if we knew he was going to play even 13 or 14 games.
1: Yeah, and there are very few players that when they're on the field, there's no issue with the production. I'll compare him to Odell Beckham. Beckham's had the injuries. He's gone back and forth. When AJ Green is on the field, he produces, period. And he certainly produces at a better rate than wide receiver 30. So I agree with you. I think he's one of the more locked in values there that your only negative argument is injury. That's it. It's it's not going to be production with AJ Green. No no problem there and he he has great games against the Steelers, against the Ravens. I mean, he he's proven to be matchup proof. I agree totally fantastic value. I want to talk to you a minute about FanDraft, Fantasy Football Online Draft Board at FanDraft. You can take your league's fantasy football draft to that next level with FanDraft. It's an amazing online fantasy football draft board. What they do is they make your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as like a streaming ticker, a live draft clock, incredibly cool, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, so much more guys. It's incredible. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts. You can export the display via a projector onto a large TV screen for the league to enjoy. Or you can do it fully online, and any number of the league owners can join the draft remotely. So you can do it now remotely, which is more important than ever, or you can do it in person. You can perform traditional and auction-style drafts, FanDraft supports, IDPs, rookie-only drafts, keepers, and any customization you need for your league requirements. Sign up now for a free trial account at FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure you use the promo code ROTOVIS15. You save 15% off the purchase. Again, that's FanDraft.com. Use that promo code ROTOVIS15. You save 15%. Incredible fantasy football online draft board. Going to take your drafts to the next level. Several years ago, we, the idea of regression became really hot, right? He will regress. Uh, I think regression will set in. But somehow regression only takes on the negative connotation when in fact positive regression is possible and you would think would be more positive thing to talk about, but no one really does. I want to ask you about a few regression candidates and get your thoughts. So these are players that, you know, have performed well or haven't performed well, and people are, are mentioning them with the regression tag. First one is tight end Tyler Higbee. Big debate here. Was the end of the season the real Tyler Higbee, or was that just a result of Gerald Everett not being on the field?
0: Well, that's it, right? I mean, that's why the number one fantasy tight end from week 13 to 16 the most important part of the fantasy season is available anywhere from like tight end six to tight end 10. Yeah. Um, as an aside, I'll say this regression to the mean, and I'm glad that you bring up positive regression uh, because, you know, that for instance, for someone like Odell Beckham could play into this year. If sure. you believe the injury was the reason he wasn't playing up to his typical level and producing um, with Higby, I think it's a question of, what will the Rams base offense look like? Will it be more like the first half of the year where they were running more three wide receiver, which is more of a Cooper cup offense or the second half of the year. Um, and Gerald Everett was hurt and that coincided with Higby's spike in targets. And then you get to the second question, which is do you put the genie back in the bottle or how much do you believe in quarterback and target chemistry? Because it sure seemed like Jared Goff should be coming out of 2019 thinking when I throw the ball, to Tyler Higby, good things happen. When I throw the ball, to Tyler Higby, I can feel comfortable that it's going to be a good result. So I'm inclined to say if you don't take one of the top four tight ends, that Higby should be a priority because those upside tight ends are pretty cheap. Whoever it is, your favorite. And look, we can go through and make an argument for the tight ends 10 through 18 or 20. And any of them, I can paint a pretty picture for you. Irv Smith and Blake Jarwin, Hardy mentioned her, T.J. Hawkinson, or Micah or You know, we could go on and on. Um, Rob Gronkowski, even at his ADP, could vastly outproduce it. So you can take Higby, and if Higby hits, you profit. And if he doesn't hit, you're going to have somebody else. Uh, and we, we shall see. Uh, uh, but I think that I'm intrigued enough, to, and we don't know. So what this goes back to is I'll mention Chase Stewart from Football Guys. Yes, regression to the mean is a thing, but every player has their own mean, and we are learning every year where that player's true mean is, right? So I know you didn't uh, – uh, Laura Jackson's not one of the guys, or, or Patrick Mahomes for that matter. But if you're saying regression to the mean and you're comparing it to previous offenses that have had 55 touchdowns or more, or you're comparing it to previous quarterbacks who've had this – you know, yards per attempt in a year, what happens in year N plus one? You're throwing them in to a, a group of cohorts that are similar statistically. However, I think in the case of Mahomes and Jackson, and then this trickles down to what the Baltimore and Kansas City offenses are capable of, we have an alignment of special rare talent and a coaching staff that is setting up that talent to succeed in a way that we hadn't since, Oh, I don't know, like Peyton Manning's Broncos offense, for instance. Um, So when we see all those factors line up, it should be an aha moment that, we're going to find overachievers here. And instead of saying, well, an overachiever happened once and it can't happen again. And I think with Tyler Higbee, there's an easy story to tell that happens again. Just we'll watch those first few games and act accordingly.
1: Next one is Aaron Jones. And I put this out about a month ago if Aaron Jones, if his rushing yards dropped by 15%, his receiving yards dropped by 15%, his receptions dropped by 25%, and the touchdowns are cut in half, he still would have been the PPR RB13 last year. So, of course, they draft A.J. Dillon, and the concern is going to be he had 19 touchdowns, a lot of which were, were close to the goal line rushes. But I sort of think that that ADP regression is baked in already. Uh, where were you on Aaron Jones this year?
0: Wow. Aaron Jones is one of those players. I mean, Mike, no matter what happens with Aaron Jones, and this applies to these other players too, it's what makes them so interesting. No matter what happens, you're going to say, I should have known, right?
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: No matter what happens. When I look back at Aaron Jones 2019, I see a player who, first of all, is an excellent receiving running back, but for some reason his coaches don't want to use him in the passing game unless Devontae Adams is hurt. That was strange.
1: That's a good point.
0: I see a player whose value last year was propped up by multi-touchdown games, which are difficult to nail down in a year-over-year basis. Um, that being said, what makes me back away from Aaron Jones is just a feeling like this is not a rational organization. right? If we were looking at the reality show version of the NFL, the most interesting story coming into 2020 is Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, right? So
1: imagine we got them on Hard Knocks Oh all this went down.
0: Oh, <laughs> yes. Give me that. Lots of that. And Aaron Rodgers is doing interviews now, and he's trying to you know, put himself out there at Image. I think he's representing himself pretty well, but there's just no way. Jay Glazer, who's usually a pretty straight shooter, just said like, I don't know how to make any sense out of this except that they're tired of Aaron Rodgers, the way that the Giants got tired of Odell Beckham. And he even said that it looks like they're setting him up to fail. You know? And I don't I don't know if I want to latch a second round pick to that. Maybe if Aaron Jones falls to the third round, but then I'm looking at Melvin Gordon. I'm looking at James Conner, like we talked about. So I think Aaron Jones, the player, has shown that he can be a first round fantasy value. But then I look at a team that took uh, Aaron Rodgers' future replacement in the first round, Aaron Jones' future replacement. How can you feel good? At, you know, Aaron Jones, and this, this is a guy that now has – and what's A.J. Dillon good at? I mean he's good at running between the tackles. He's good yep. at scoring those touchdowns. Uh, I just – I don't feel good about what the Packers did considering uh, you know, what happened last year when – Aaron Jones could have done even better if they would have kept him involved in the passing game. So I will love it. Aaron Jones from um, El Paso uh, went to Utah. Yeah, sure. From where my uh, wife is from. I love the high desert. I spent time as a kid in New Mexico, true land of enchantment. I'm rooting for Aaron Jones, but I just get a bad feeling when I think about betting on Packers other than Devonte Adams, who kind of fits into that Ben Juju vein this year. So I, I get it if you're taking Adams in the first round.
1: Where are you on Stephon Diggs? Uh, he's always been an intriguing guy to me. He had the 100 receptions back two years ago. Then last year, only 63 receptions, but he had the 12 yards per target. He went from 6.9 yards per target in 2018 to 12 yards per target. Wide receiver switching teams, always something we're going to be cautious about. He's with Josh Allen, you know, who's not afraid to fire it out there, but accuracy is an issue. Stefan Diggs, what are your thoughts here?
0: Just take John Brown. I love John Brown.
1: I love John Brown. Yes. I mean, just take John yes. Brown.
0: Smokey's so good. He's so good. He's going to be one of those guys. You know how on Twitter people love to, to give me the name of somebody that's so underappreciated that nobody thinks about. Like 10 years from now, I'm going to say John Brown every time. I'm yep. just going to say John Brown, even if it's a baseball or basketball. I'm just going to say John Brown. <laughs> you know? uh, because he has – and look. I I like Josh Allen a lot, or at least I was one of the few people willing to say Josh Allen might still actually be worth the pick the Bills gave up for him, uh, the picks. Uh, But Josh Allen's deep accuracy last year was just horrible. John Brown could have had like 1,500 yards last year. John Brown did his part. Josh Allen wasn't doing his part. Now you're splitting those deep targets between Brown and Diggs. Uh, And... You just don't have that chemistry. So you're already going into a shaky area of Josh Allen's game. And again, in terms of year over year ADP, Diggs was a third round pick last year. Uh, he's like a sixth round pick, fifth, sixth round pick this year. And I just see John Brown in the tenth round after being a thirteenth round pick last year and hitting, being a pretty good hit as a thirteenth, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth round pick. And I just see similar outlooks for these guys. If anything, you know, Stefan Gilmore Who's he going to cover? Is he going to cover Brown or Diggs? Come yeah. on. You know, who's Xavier? Now, maybe the Dolphins aren't the best example because like Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Uh That's going to be fun to watch. So, yeah, I, I just think that's the answer. And, and we'll see. And for Stephon Diggs, what we're going to be watching is his attitude because he wanted to be the guy in Minnesota. He wasn't. He's not going to be the guy. There's not going to be a the guy in this passing game. It's going to be like, what, 460, pass attempts anyway. You've got right. Cole Beasley. Dawson Knox is going to figure in there. Devin Singletary is supposed to get more targets this year. How does Diggs handle that whenever Allen doesn't see him deep open for the third time in a game or misses him deep open for the third time in a game? That's going to be something to watch with the Bills this year.
1: We all knew that cool kid when we were in high school. Fancy cars, a lot of friends, fun parties. And we talked about him briefly before. That's where I'm at with Odell Beckham. He's gone from 35 touchdowns in his first three seasons to 13 in his last three years. Video last year had him mumbling with Jimmy Garoppolo. I was supposed to be with you. Now the Browns look like they're going to skew even more run-heavy. Kareem Hunt's working out with the wide receivers but he's still the alpha dog, and he still can get back to that level. I guess I'm just looking at this season, Sig, and I'm going to see either Odell get back to where he was, or I'm going to envision being at the 10 year high school reunion when we're all muttering there by the yeah. salad bar going, Oh, that guy used to be so good. He's so cool. Remember him? What are we going to do here with OBJ? He's currently going as wide receiver 11 in FFPC best ball leagues.
0: Yeah, that's really funny. You, you, you got, there's a script treatment in there, Mike, about like. <laughs> 10 years of high school reunions and and how things change. Yep. Um, on Beckham, I mean, this is where auction is so much better than snake draft. It just takes more dedicated players because I almost look at the uh, landscape this year, Mike, and think I want instead of a first round pick and a second round pick this year, I want like two third round picks, two fourth round picks and two fifth round picks. Right. Yep. I look at the third round. And I want everybody there, you know, I mean, a wide receiver. I want Adam Thielen. I want Odell Beckham. I want Allen Robinson. I want them all. I think they can all be top five receivers this year. With Beckham, I think we can lay out a pretty simple story that he was hurt all year. And, okay, note to self, unlike, say, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Odell Beckham or Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, when he's on the injury report with an injury that needs to be surgically repaired after the season, is actually going to be affected. So if he gets on the injury report and you might say, hey, you're bearing the lead. How many years of Odell Beckham's career has he missed significant time with injuries or been significantly affected by injuries? And that's a reason to fade him. But again, comparing ADP over year, Beckham was a first, second round pick last year. Now he's a third round pick, sometimes if you're lucky, even in the fourth round. And if it is just as simple as. Playing with a hernia all year, which Deontay Johnson did, by the way, too. Yep. Uh, playing with a hernia all year makes it kind of hard to like sky for the ball. It makes it kind of hard to open up the throttle. Then we're going to see in the first few weeks of the season that Odell Beckham is still Odell Beckham. And we're going to say, why? Why did I I saw Odell Beckham there in the third round? And I took Leonard Fournette over him. Please don't do that, folks. Uh, (laughs) And the other thing that you have to like about Beckham is following up to Stefan Diggs is that Kevin Stefanski offense, a very structured offense, should be much better for Baker Mayfield. Heavy lean on the running game, heavy lean on the running backs, and then very easy play action passes deep off of the success of the running game. I know that it's not truly the success of the running game, but the commitment of the defense to stop the running game. Odell Beckham's going to be running those routes. So even if his targets are down, if he's getting those plays, then it won't take a lot of volume for him to be an elite wide receiver. One, you know, we saw that from Stefan Diggs last year for a stretch, um, And I think that with Beckham, it's not difficult to see those plays being layups in this offense, especially with the upgrades they made at offensive tackle. So I fully endorse Odell Beckham in the third round.
1: Yeah, Odell Beckham, A.J. Green redux, kind of the same argument there. Agree on both. Thank a teacher time now, Sigmund. Give a shout out for a teacher, education right now, sort of in turmoil, kids going back, everything going on. So let's get some positive vibes going. Thank a teacher from your K-12 years that had a huge influence on you as a person or student, someone who really made a difference in your life that you just want to say, hey, thanks.
0: There's so many. Um, There were so many. I grew up in a small town. I went to a high school where we didn't have um, uh, advanced placement classes. Um, it was like a school district. There was like six rural towns and all the little space in between in Western Pennsylvania. And there were so many teachers that when they saw the spark of intellectual curiosity in their students, they put in the time yep. to foster it. Um, and and before I mentioned the teachers, I want to say this is a fantastic segment. And I, 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 we could spend the whole hour on this segment. Yep, teachers, sure. are yep. teachers are heroes. Teachers are heroes. Teachers are heroes. Teachers are heroes. Um, Why are they heroes? Forget about teaching skills. They care about the kids. They care about the kids. Sometimes they care about the kids more than anybody else in the kid's life. And I think what kids have been missing during coronavirus more than anything is just that feeling that there's another person who sees them and hears them and cares what happens to them. And that's immense emotional labor. Labor. That's a it's hard enough as it is just to like care about yourself and the people in your family. Heavy lift. Yep. That's immense emotional labor that they are taking on for all of us because we all know what happens when someone feels not seen and not heard and not cared about. It's a way we can explain a lot of bad things that happen. So just that just showing up and and like a soul to soul connection with a kid and and making them feel seen and heard and cared about is so important for the stability of our communities, for the stability of our society. And I hope now more than ever, because I could go off into any number of political things, right? Stick to sports. Uh, But you (laughs) brought it up, Mike. Blame me. Um, As Rich Rebar said,
1: I I set him up. So I'm setting you up here so you can go whatever you want with it.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, I see people now saying, well, school is important. Opening school is important. The the economy needs schools to be open. And really, that's why I think those folks are saying school is important. They may be saying – that it's for the kids and the good of the kids, but it's really because schools are our society's number one uh, provider of childcare. And without childcare, I know people are listening out here that have had to do some distance learning assistance with their kids in the spring and are probably getting prepared to do at least for part of the fall. It takes time and energy and patience, and it's really hard to be doing a job and doing that at the same time. Um, So we need that back So people can get back to work or otherwise productivity and things like that can start to go up. But if we recognize how important school is in kids' lives, why have we not been committing resources to it in that proportion? We can commit resources to what I call security theater in airports so that we don't have to watch a plane fly into a building again, right? Because that's really important. But is it as important as our children growing up feeling like they are seen, they are heard, they are cared about, and given the tools not just to succeed and earn money, but to be good members of the community, good members of their home communities within their houses, members of their neighborhoods, members of their communities, um, just feeling connected to earth, feeling connected to their communities, feeling connected to other people, feeling connected to their life. Uh, so, yeah, you, t- you hit a nerve here, but it's a good nerve. And I think we all have a lot on our mind right now. And it's good to have a chance to share it. So thank you. All my names. oh my psychology, Mrs. Semenko, um, who ha- gave me the opportunity from that Adam Harstad podcast. She was the one who asked the question, what's your largest fear?" Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Lloyd, Mr. Lloyd was our physics teacher. And we had an unprecedented physics two class because so many of us took his physics class as a junior. Um, And uh, his his, uh, claim to fame was the interior of not the interior, the exterior of the house of Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs is his house oh, hit,
1: oh my goodness yeah. and he said
0: and he said never ever let hollywood come and film anything in your around your house ever like really? while he was, headache he also had your like, headache yeah yeah he's like don't ever do this this is ter- terrible it's a nightmare and he also told us rumors about Jodie foster that i will not repeat here <laughs> this is not <laughs> that'll after. be for the follow-up podcast exactly yes, that's but, that's for the celebrity gossip podcast that with it will do we'll record after this one uh, mr misco who um taught trigonometry and i had a choice to take trigonometry or stay in band i should have stayed in band because then i could have been in the syracuse like basketball pep band if i would have stuck yes. with it yeah i didn't but trigonometry was fun that's that shows you the kind of this, you know you're among friends right whenever someone says trigonometry is fun yeah so those were three that you. come to mind right away
1: i'm a math guy I totally agree with you we're few and far between a question here. Drew near Lake Michigan. Displaced 49ers fan. Worried about my receiving core with Debo out. Looks like Brandon Ayuk could be the top guy. Maybe Jalen Hurd. He's a big fan of Jalen Hurd. Or Kendrick Bourne. IU could get off to a great start, but for some reason I feel cautious. So guidance here on the wide receiving core there in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, Debo's going to be back and pick up where he left off at some point. And hopefully after how Trent Taylor went last year, they're going to be cautious. So let's say October. Mm-hmm. Um I just think that Ayuk is the kind of player that has more to prove at the pro level before he can start translating his talent into production when it comes to things like getting off of press coverage. So I would be cautious. Now, he costs a 15th round pick. Um, And San Francisco starts with Arizona. Uh, Will he see Patrick Peterson? You know, the Jets? That's fun. The Giants? That's fun. Um, James Bradbury. I don't know. So I'm not going to talk anybody about taking Brandon Ayuk. But I think where this all points back at, Mike, is George Kittle. Right, even yep. with George Reed, there is it's, it's a lot of George Kittle, so and Drew, I vacation. Bloodington's on the coast of Lake Michigan, so uh, Lake Michigan's a good place to be near.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and George Kittle vacuum. That's what that's going to be. I don't like say, taking players in your traditional one quarterback, one tight end league early. That if you're yeah. only at one spot, but if you're going to do it, George Kittle has a mammoth volume projection coming. A bus time, my friend. Yeah. Want you to go through each of the positions here. Doesn't have to be a huge bus. So somebody you're saying, you know, just have a like sort of bad sushi feeling about when you see the name here. Let's start a QB. Yeah, it's
0: the it's the that moment of pause when you're about to click draft or accept on a trade. Um, quarterback Trashawn Watson, just who's he gonna throw to on third and seven? How much is he going to miss DeAndre Hopkins? And Deshaun Watson's Achilles heel is he holds on to the ball for too long. He has a never-say-die attitude. And without DeAndre Hopkins to convert those plays, I wonder if there will be more disaster for him this year. Uh,
1: What about running back? There's been a variety of answers to this one.
0: Um, I'm going to say Josh Jacobs. I love Josh Jacobs. I'm going to say Josh Jacobs simply because I worry that after not being used heavily at Alabama, John Gruden, he's another one. The world, he's at 370. You know, John Gruden doesn't yeah. care about stuff like that. And, and they're going to give Josh Jacobs all the work he's going to handle. And he's going to play the running back position in that way that has no regard for his own health. And I just wonder if at some point in, during the season, something's going to happen again. And he's going to try to play through it, gnash his teeth. And they're just going to say, this isn't good for you. And this is going to be the pattern, right? Cadillac Williams comes to mind. Sure. So I'll say Josh Jacobs.
1: Wide receiver.
0: Um, you know, the, the DeAndre Hopkins is, would be easy just because of the volume drop, and also the uh, changing teams. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say Chris Godwin, just because I think if we look a little closer at his production last year, there were some wild and woolly game scripts because of James James Winston, and then also there was that coveted Bruce Arians slot role. And if they go yeah. to tight end that's not going to be a role in that offense as much
1: and tight end there the the tight end six to 12 area is really sort of the uncorrelated area here but is it somebody there or somebody in the top five
0: i don't i'm not worried about the top five really i mean i think darren waller might underproduce just because we're not sure how much of his target share came from the lack of options at wide receiver and now they have you know the rookies are coming um you know, we already talked about Tyler Higbee. That's easy. That's low hanging fruit. And I guess we have to mention Rob Gronkowski just because it's a great story that he's back. It's exciting to think about watching him on a football field. But we could be reminded you know, why even when he was playing two years ago, he by the end of the year was more of a liability to have to think about whether to start him or not than if you just had never drafted him.
1: Well, it's time for a redraft lightning round now. Tell me which player you like better for redraft at their current ADP. Touched on this one already. DeAndre Hopkins. I've done my projection, Sig. It's hard yeah. to get Hopkins to the top five for me. Right. When I I guess I value Christian Kirk. Fitzgerald's still there. So he's going around ty- uh, wide receiver five. Or Allen Robinson, who's right around wide receiver ten right now.
0: Yeah, it's got to be Allen Robinson. He just had the highest degree of difficulty to convert his targets into production, and he did it last year. It should get at least a little better this year.
1: Two guys who are real close to each other, same team. Tyler Lockett, who's going right now around wide receiver 23, and right in front of him now, he's actually passed him. DK Metcalf, wide receiver 21. Who do you like better in Seattle?
0: I'll probably go with Lockett, but I could be a year late here getting off of um, Lockett and switching to Metcalf because Metcalf, he's right in front of us, Mike. He could be the next Josh Gordon, Julio Jones, A.J. Green. Like, how do you stop that guy? So I'm not talking to anyone out of Metcalf.
1: The great debate that's gone on social media the whole year, I feel like when one of these players goes, the other one goes right away every single time. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I'm just curious your answer, PPR or Standard Leagues, does it really matter to you?
0: It doesn't. Cooper Cup is not going to be on my teams this year. I just think that he's not going to produce at the clip he had for the first half of last year and the year before. And Robert Woods in the second half of the year was tremendous. So I think that Woods is the guy if you want a Rams receiver this year.
1: And the better team target hog, you have two guys here who are the clear wide receiver one of their teams. Scary Terry McLaurin and Washington Devontae Parker in Miami.
0: Just take them both back to back. Can I say that? Can I say like take one in the fifth yes. round and one in the sixth round? Um, probably Terry McLaurin because we just don't know how good he can be. Isn't that the most exciting kind of player to take? Like, yeah. We don't know how good he can be yet. Metcalf falls into that category. McLaurin was doing it against very good corners last year with very poor quarterback play. Uh, he's really fun to draft this year.
1: Are you a sitcom guy? If you are, give me your top uh, two sitcoms here. could go TV show as well. It doesn't have to be a sitcom.
0: This is easy for me because it's Seinfeld and Simpsons, which is almost like these shows are like languages if you're my age. But I will say, you know, underappreciated shows from my childhood that I remember watching on reruns like Taxi and Barney Miller, you know, from like we're about to go through a time like this, right? When America gets depressed and we're just kind of navel gazing and thinking about everything too much. It it was good for cinema. And there were some. Sitcoms that had layers to them. So I'd say Taxi, um, Bernie, Barney Miller, even Soap. Soap was an interesting one as like a parody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. th- these are fun shows to go back and look at as uh, what was happening in the 70s.
1: And if I need a laugh, I just go to the Commando 450 in Seinfeld with Kramer, and I'm all set to go. So I agree.
0: All of life is in Seinfeld and The Simpsons. Like You can find an episode of those two shows that will apply to anything that's happening in your life.
1: It relates to everyone. Here I usually go for the truther question. I love the term that you used on your podcast, the ugly duckling. So who's your ugly duckling? The player that you most do not like, but that you still have an attachment to? Uh.
0: I don't know if he totally qualifies, but it's still Duke Johnson. Like I'm still taking That counts. Of course that counts absolutely. I'm still taking him in every draft. Because we know he can play because he has paths to value because we're really not sure about David Johnson. And really, the answer is going to be like Karan Higden getting 200 carries yeah, or something. Yeah. Alfred Blue is going to come out of retirement or something. I don't even know if he's retired, but I begrudgingly say Duke Johnson because for everybody out there, like when I give my advice, I'm following it on my own teams. Like I had Mike Boone in all my week 16 lineups and I lost yes. him because of it. <laughs> I've <laughs> to be honest. The more we I talked about talk that about this, last week. Mike Boone. Yes, totally the, agree. The more I talk about this, the less it weighs on my soul. So thank you.
1: Therapy. Folks, Sigmund Bloom, I got one more question. Sigmund, I'll get you out of here. Amazing. Amazing hour. It's been incredible. I want the bold fantasy football prediction take from the couch so what do you think is going to happen this year give me the player some people have said we're going to actually have 16 games yeah but who is the player or team or whatever that you sort of your bold take that you think in the range of outcomes it could happen
0: yeah well i mentioned it so i'll go back to it and i'll say randall cobb is the most valuable texans wide receiver this year uh just i we know what Deshaun watson can do with the slot receiver from his time with hunter renfro that's why i like kiki cutie so much yes i've let go of kiki cutie by the way uh for now (laughs) until he can land on another team because bill o'brien's doghouse has a padlock on it um so i think that randall cobb is going to get a lot of opportunity i think that randall cobb has shown that he can stay healthy finally i think that he is going to be that player that becomes more of the when the bullets are flying target that's not Brandon Cooks. That's not Will Fuller. These are not guys you throw to that find a way to get open when they're not open or find a way to get open in the first three beats of a play when you have to have that reception on third down to keep the chains moving. I think that's Randall Cobb. I think Randall Cobb is just for some reason being collectively overlooked. So Texans to end up our wonderful hour together.
1: Kudos. You line, align with Ryan McDowell as well. Very oh, good. Yes. Folks, the legend, Sigmund Bloom, co-owner of football guys, Audible podcast, incredible. Him and C. Salami go back and forth. You can listen to it. Amazing, amazing job here. Sig, one of the legends. Everyone follow him on Twitter, at Sigmund Can't thank you enough, man, for this hour. This was a thrill, and it flew by, as always. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotavisradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at Randall rant Make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.